All right, welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. Look, I have an amazing, an amazing, an amazing episode for you tonight. I have with me three just amazing individuals, human beings, leaders in their fields on an episode entitled Women in Leadership, specifically women of color uh, in leadership. I'm going to read their bios and just introduce them because their bios speaks volume for themselves. I am not worthy to even read these bios. But I'm going to go ahead. Let's start with attorney Dominique Hardwick. Dominique is a Chicago native that now resides in Charlotte, North Carolina, where she is currently practicing immigration law at the age of 24. She graduated law school and passed the bar exam for the first time on the first try and currently is in the process of tapping into a little niche in immigration law. And then I have with me my other guest, attorney. LaVon Jones. LaVon Jones is a remote trademark attorney with the Creators Law Firm. LaVon's efforts protect the brand and businesses of creative entrepreneurs, both online and offline. LaVon specializes in drafting business contracts and securing and enforcing intellectual capital. She also works in the, with incredible companies like the Broadway Collective, Sweet Bees, Fruit Tea, Lemonade, BLK and GRN, and the Culture Way of Life. Prior to this, LaVon served as the associate attorney with an immigration law firm assisting with asylum protection, cancellation of deportation, which is definitely needed, uh, adjustments to the residency status and visa applications. LaVon earned a bachelor's of arts degree in anthropology at the University of South Carolina, a master's of science degree in criminal justice at Kaplan University, and a JD at Charlotte School of Law. So you know she means business. LaVon is from Bermuda, has lived in five other countries, including the U.S., the U.K., Australia, Japan, and Fiji. She enjoys world travel, fashion, and extreme tourist attractions. And then my other highly esteemed guest, Dr. Tawanda Fuller. Dr. Tawanda Fuller, for the past four years, has served as a provider at Heartland Health Services in Peoria, Illinois. The community-based facility provides opportunity to better serve an area of the community impacted by limited medical resources. Prior to Heartland, Dr. Harris was a provider at Chicago Family Health Center, in her hometown of Chicago for over 10 years. She is certified by the American Board of Family Medicine, attending several prestigious universities from her undergraduate studies and medical law. She received her doctorate of medicine degree in 2003 from Rosalind Franklin University of Medicine and AMP Science in North Chicago, completed her residency in 2006 at the Christ Medical Center in Oakland, Illinois. Dr. Harris prides herself in being a wife to her husband, Mark Fuller, and a mother to her son, Enzo. She enjoys giving back to her community, teaching patients and others about their health, sickness, and disease. She believes in God, and she believes that God has given her the wisdom and understanding to intercede for her people. Everybody, welcome my guests, uh, these just amazing women. I thank God for you. How's everybody doing? You're doing great. Good, good. Look, it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting, but I do want to hit it off. Look, when I was protesting, and I know I mentioned this earlier uh, in the Black Lives Matters protest, I realized that the overwhelming percentage of protesters were women. And something dropped in me that it's interesting that we are dealing with this, but we have never really focused on inclusivity to this level. The focus on gender equality, women's rights. And when you're dealing with women's rights, there is women's rights and then there's women of color, which should be the same thing, but obviously it's not. So I wanted to really have the show uh, to really understand what it's like to be a woman of color and a leader in your perspective field. Uh, so I'm going to start with uh, you because Dominique responded first to my invite. Uh, so why did you go uh, into law? 
Well, um, I wanted to be a lawyer since I was about five or six years. Uh -oh. like debate teams and speech teams and doing different things just to, to prepare me for this one goal. I, I seen that there was, at a young age, I seen that there was a need for attorneys. I didn't, there weren't many attorneys that looked like I did, mm -hmm. on television. You know, but you watch Boston Legal and things like that when you're, when you're little and you don't, you don't see a plethora of black attorneys and the reasons because you don't see a plethora of black attorneys in real life you know when you become a lawyer there, it, there there aren't many of us in comparison to none non-black attorneys for me, for me it was about putting even if i had to be that splash of color I wanted to be on that TV. I wanted to be in that courtroom and I wanted to be the one to to represent for my people at such a young age. You know, I, I seen it, I seen the need and I love to talk clearly because, you know, because <laughs> I decided to do this. I love I love to speak. I love to talk. And I I have a, a yearning for justice, not just equality, because equality is, you know, I, I'm in the same place you are. And even though you, you started the race, you know, 10 years ago, now equality is I get to start the race too, but you, you've already been there. So justice will be giving me a 10 year hair start. Right. So we, we have to be careful when we talk about, you know, equality and justice because they are not the same thing. And I, I wanted to become a lawyer to, to show that you know we we we're on the right track, but we really have to make sure that when we speak and when we fight for justice and we fight for equality, we understand that they're not the same thing. They're two different things. And I, you know, and it's just a it's always been passion of mine, just from a very, very young age. Gotcha, gotcha. Dr. Fuller, why did you go into medicine? <laughs> Uh, I just want to make a quick correction. You said MD law. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. I, my bad. <laughs> That's okay. Even I did want to be a lawyer when I was little, but God changed that <laughs> for medicine. So I was in a clinic for a school physical, and it was actually at the health department, Inglewood's health department. And I saw the doctor. She didn't look like me. And I said, wow, you know, I would love to have a doctor look like me. And I, that's when I first started thinking about, man, I think I would want to go into medicine. And then as a kid, I would continue to watch, you know, Channel 11, a lot of surgeries on television. And, you know, my sister's looking like, why are you watching this? Why are you not watching cartoons? But I'm like, I was interested in watching, you know, surgeries and medical things <laughs> on TV. So I said, I wanted to get back to my community. I want to help others, especially those that are underserved, um, lived in not the nicest neighborhoods. Um that was looking for a doctor to look just like them, to understand what the background they came from. And I surely do from my own background. And um, yeah, and I believe it's a calling on my life to go into medicine. Awesome, awesome, good stuff. Attorney LeVon, why law? Why not become a rapper? Why law? <laughs> um, well, when I was younger, I witnessed a lot of injustice, not only to me, but also to my family and some friends. And after seeing them become victims um, due to a lot of horrible events 
and things. Um, and it encouraged me to want to try to empower those who find themselves lost and alone and like powerless in this country, especially because um, my family is not American, they are Bermudian. So when we came to this country, we've always felt lost and alone. We didn't know our rights. We didn't know who we can turn to. We didn't know what we can do when horrible things happen to us. So I used to think about becoming a lawyer, but I didn't think I could until like several people encouraged me that I could. And um, so now I think it's probably my purpose to help other people find their own power by utilizing my status as a lawyer. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. You mentioned being alone. And I'll start with you, uh, Attorney Jones, uh, okay. saying that, you know, no, you know, av- obviously your family comes from Bermuda and kind of just being lost. What are some of the struggles uh, that you face in your field? You know, some of us are not, you know, attorneys and whatnot. So we don't know the day to day battles beyond uh, a law and order SUV or SVU, <laughs> whatever that, however it's pronounced. Right. So what are some of the struggles that you deal with? Um, well, I don't feel much struggle right now because I'm in a good place, but um, right after passing the bar and finishing school and everything like that, one of the main struggles was actually finding employment. Like, I feel like there was like no opportunities for young Black women attorneys. It was so hard to try to even have somebody look at my resume and if if they did see if I did get into um, an interview, I can just feel that I wasn't bred the same way as the people in that law firm. And I feel like a lot of lawyers are white men who um, breed their children to follow the same paths and they have open opportunities. They have the hookup, they know the right people, they know the whole networking. So when I come around, they're like, I don't know you, you're not the same breed, you're, you're a young black woman. So I always felt like I didn't even have a chance even if I did come into an interview. And once I did become employed, um, another challenge I would find was when I would walk into a courtroom or something and we have to, um, usually lawyers get um, to go through a special entrance when you go into a courtroom. I was always stopped because they were just like, they did not believe that I was an attorney. I would always have to show my credentials And I would also have to make sure that I was with like my higher up attorney. And it did every single day when I would walk into the courtroom, I would always get stopped. So that was a challenge. But nowadays, I think I found my niche. I I do work for a black law firm now. And I do feel like I am seen for my worth. Hmm. Wow. That's that's interesting. Stopped. I. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dr. Fuller, what are some of the challenges uh, that you face that we might not even be fully aware of in, in medicine? Well, I had thought about this and I really, the only challenge initially would be, you know, uh, minorities trying to get into medical school is very hard, very competitive. 
And we are grateful for programs like the CHAMPS program. Uh, I can't remember the, the acronym, you know what it means right now, but um, that helped minorities to have an opportunity to, you know, get a, t- a taste of medical school classes and see how we can handle it. And it kind of, you know, helped us to get, learn how to study properly and, you know, to do well and succeed in medical school where we might not have an opportunity on our own is how to get in and become, you know, successful or succeed in med school. So that would be the major issue I had throughout my um, training and even to my career. As far as career-wise, didn't have any, you know, obstacles or any issues as far as that goes. But just to, you know, get in med school, you know, was tough enough. So. Makes sense. Makes sense. Attorney Hardwick. Some of the obstacles that you have faced as as another rising uh, lawyer in the midst of the United States. What are some of those obstacles? Okay, so my story starts a little further back. Okay, so coming from from high school, going into undergraduate school, I wasn't in high school. My first two years, I did relatively well. I did pretty well, and then you know. I kind of swayed downhill from there, you know, a lot of distractions, wanted to be popular, things like that. And I, I actually got into my undergraduate school on probation. Like, you know, we'll let you in, but you're going to have to really show us something. You're going to have to really show us something. And I was like, you know, okay. So I, I initially I went to my counselor because I, I've always been capable. I've always known that I've been capable. Um, applying myself is a, a different story, right? So when I went went in to speak with my counselor, white male, I told him we were having a conversation about graduation because the school I went to, they talk about graduation. Your first day, your first day in, they talk about graduation. And he was talking about graduation. He was telling me, you know, sometimes it takes students four or five years to graduate, you know, and that's fine. You're, sometimes you have to do a victory lap. And I was like, you know, okay. And I, I spoke to him. I said, well, you know, I really don't care that much for school. So I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to graduate in two years. He looked at me with so much disdain and, and so much disbelief. And he told me, he said, well, I don't know about that because you don't, you don't have any credits coming from um, high school, because I did take AP courses, but of course I took all the exams because I was I was there to play, not do actual work. And he 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 told me he uh, flat out he said you know it hasn't really been done, and if it were to be done, it wouldn't be done by a student of your caliber. And I looked at him and I said, oh, is that a challenge? Because the the way I grew up, I I didn't I didn't grow up with obstacles being told no um and when i was in primary school i went to all black private school so there it wasn't it, there wasn't any anyone telling us you know oh they're better because we were all we we're all little black kids right so i didn't have too much too many issues with that and then high school i went to a public high school but we were still all black so i didn't have too many issues with that but undergrad was where i really seen the shift where what what is expected of me. I don't think they expect me to graduate. So just to prove him wrong, I I graduated in one year, 351 days. Okay. Just because because I was disgusted with with his like you can't tell people that. Like he, he right. told me, I mean, it seems unrealistic, right? But tell me it seems unrealistic. Don't tell me I can't do it. So that was that was my first obstacle. And then going into law school, 
I took the LSAT, didn't do great, okay? But I'm a very, very... So I graduated top of my class from undergrad in two years. So colleges, they were, I mean, law schools were looking at me, but they were like, okay, let's see your LSAT. And they got my LSAT and it's like, no, 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 you have to retake this. And I told them, I said, I'm not going to retake it. I said, you, you, you see the work that I did in undergrad. You see that I graduated in under two years, which is better than all of your students that they have done, you know, in their entire academic career. And if you want me, you want me. If you don't, you don't. And I just exist. I just place excess on those schools. And then one school was like, we have a chance program. I said, sure, that's all I need. All I need is the opportunity to show you that I'm highly intelligent. I'm not taking a, another exam for you that wasn't created for me. The, the standardized LSAT exam, really? Like half the words in the LSAT weren't even words that I could readily identify with. So. I said, okay, you know, I'll go through this chance program. Of course, you know, I got in, got full time. And I said, okay, now I'm in. And now I'm going to, going to go ahead and show everyone else that doubted me what life is about. Because I graduated undergrad when I was 20. And then I got accepted into law school when I was 21. And then I went to law school when I was 22. So got into law school, a bunch of obstacles in law school. No one actually tells you how well how difficult it is. You know, when you speak to attorneys and lawyers and you and you you just try to get a, a good feeling like how is you know law school? It's nothing how anyone says it is. It's, it's an absolutely terrible, horrible experience. And I think that that in itself was a challenge to have to look around and see people who don't look like you. We had a number of African-American students at our school, but I'll get to that. We have, um, and see people who don't look like you and see people who are, who their parents are lawyers and they're, you know, they know the judges and they have outlines from uh, other students. I'm like, well, I need outline. You know, I need, you know, I need this. You know, where did you get that from? And they don't want to help you, okay? Because law school is very political. They, they're not going to help you. They want you to fail. We're on the curve. We want you to fail, okay? We, if you're at the bottom 15% of the class, great. Fell out is better for me. So, and that's that's how we think. They break us and they they make us think like that. So, it, we you run into a lot of obstacles. So, people who have advantages that you just you just didn't foresee going into law school. So so that was an issue being a person of color in law school. And then for my law school, it went through so many challenges. It went through so so many things that that had to show that showed me how strong I was. And then when it got to the bar exam, I was told, well, you know, you you probably won't pass the bar exam on your first time. Like, come on, guys, really? Really? You're gonna tell me you you're actually going to tell me that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, your 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 school, your school's bar passes rate isn't as high as it should be. So you're probably being a number of students who don't pass the bar exam. Mm-hmm. Well, I had I at this point, I'm full of people telling me things that I just can't do, you know? <laughs> so I've never been raised to take no for an answer. I've never been raised to make excuses for myself or for my color because it, it is what it is. So 
you take it, you look in the mirror, I'm black and I'm gonna pass the bar exam black. Okay. It doesn't it doesn't matter what the person to the left of me and what the person to the right of me doing. When you go into law school, they say look to your left, look to your right. One of those people won't be here when and after your first year. And I was I, I had I I was fully aware that I wasn't gonna be to anybody's left or right and probably both of the people next to me would be gone. It wasn't gonna be Right. Obstacles that I faced just through school kind of breaks you down. Yeah, but know. you you either have to take it and say, okay, these are the cards that I've been dealt, mm-hmm. and this is this is how I'm going to deal with it. And then that's what prepares you to go into the workforce. Because after I took the bar exam, I passed the passed on my first time. That's what Vine did, and I'm thinking like, okay, these people told me I wasn't going to pass. These people told me that I was I was going to uh, I was going to fail law school. They told me all these things. So now I passed the bar exam the first time, and now I'm moving on to, to getting a great job. Right? Well, no, okay, doesn't work like that. It, it's like <laughs> it's like you're a lawyer, and people are looking at you and say, "Hey, you know, we're we're hiring." How many years of experience do you have? Well, I actually just passed the bar exam last week. Oh, we don't want you. Okay. So on top of that, you're inexperienced. You know, even if you did a clinic, because I did a clinic in law school. Mm-hmm. Um, you're inexperienced. You're black, and then you're a woman. So now I'm just like, okay, now it's time for me to start talking to people, and the people who I had to talk to were white people. So, and being a black woman, I know I run over my time, Cody. Okay, I'm so. <laughs> you should ask. You're good. Let me throw this in. It was it was interesting. Let me, let me throw this in because you hit upon it. You said you're black and you're a woman. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a good old boys club in all of your respective fields? And the reason why I said this is because you know I have been a VP. I have been in some meetings that felt like a clan rally. To say the least, I have been in very uncomfortable uh, situations, but if there was a saving grace, it's because I was male. If that, you know, as a woman, right? Is there is there a good old boys club? It's like when you're in this, do, does it look like everybody, you know, is just XY chromosome? I mean, if so, what is that good old boys club like? And I'll start, anybody can answer it. Anybody wants to jump first. I don't know if there's a good old boys club or good old women's club in yeah. law, but I felt like there was a club for black people in law school. And I kind of um, glean on that from even to this day. Um, I felt like I had like one or two black professors and they spent a little bit more time with me when I would go to their office and and I, if I had problems or anything. And those same professors, I would um, reach out to them if I have a problem or needed help with finding a career or a job or whatever. Um, so I feel like we had that kind of club, yeah. but I never found any woman's club hmm. in law. I don't know, Dominique, what you think? Um, I think what Cody is saying is whether or not there is a good old boys club means is there like 
uh, all white dominated club where they're like this and their buddies and they're help their kids and you know they have like this protect I think Dominique's uh, experience. Dr. I'll go to you. Is there a good old boys club in medicine? Um, I want to say no. Um, however, I was just thinking in residency, being a family medicine um, doctor and a resident, if I'm on a rotation with an OB intern on the inter-family medicine intern, I would notice that the nurses will want the OB intern to deliver the baby versus me delivering the baby. So it would be more of uh, that type of situation. You know, it depends on what your specialty is when you're doing your rotations, who will get the preferential treatment, who is to get the most cases and things like that. So I did notice that. But as an attending um, doctor, I mean, it is what it is. You have your own practice within a practice in a sense. So you're going to get your own patients. You're going to, you know, probably, uh, you know, um, be given a patient panel depends on which clinic you go to. And then as patients get to know you and like your bedside manner, then you start getting you know, family and friends and other providers. Patients may come to you because they like how you handle, you know, things. And so, no, I don't, I would say no, it's, there's no good old boys club, you know. And medicine. medicine that's good to, hey, look, that's good to know because I'm going to tell you how it is in corporate America. Look, there is a good old boys club and I have been downtown to some of these breakfast, private breakfasts and uh, uh, clubs that you have to pay this absorbent amount uh, to be a member of and you need a jacket. And it's 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 um, interesting, to say the least, because you feel what they want you to feel, right? Like there's no sign that says like, yeah, you can't be here. But there's definitely a almost hidden sense of power mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know and i get it you know these guys make seven eight nine figures a year I, I so i get it right there's this sense of entitlement you know but it was eye-opening for me because it was it was the first time that i i felt small and i don't mean small like not qualified i mean i got you know i got my two degrees too you know i just i felt like I was only there to entertain and I was more of a pet than a person. And so that changed my perception of this whole narrative. Right. But I want to get into, I want to get into pay quality. I'm all, you know, I've, you know, some of the things that, you know, I've been placed in charge of with my own company is really looking at and making sure we're diversifying talent, but I want to look at pay quality. Now I know a difference attorneys, especially you're in private practice is more by client and opportunity. And then medical doctors that is set. So it might be a little bit better in your field, but even leading up to that, uh, women make less than men on average. That's just an you know an unfortunate fact. Um, how has that played? Like, have you ever questioned your pay and be like, if I was white, you know, like you know what I'm saying? Like, I've done that. I've questioned my pay and be like, if I was, you know, more than twenty percent of you know, like something in me, something in me would just be like, you know. You just questioned it. Has that ever dawned on you? And I'll start, uh, Dr. T, LeVon, and then Dominique. Okay. So I actually had to look up, you know, an article, a Manscaped article about this. And it is true. There's a difference in pay between um, the Caucasians versus minorities and men versus women. Um, of course, um, Caucasians and men make way more than um, minorities and women, you know, right. no matter what the race is with women. Um 
And they, the reason was in this particular article is because most of the, you know, Caucasian men um, would tend to go into specialties like orthopedics, plastic surgery, and some minorities and women also were going to and like internal medicine, family medicine, pediatrics. And when you think about it, it makes sense because not that it's fair, but it makes sense because as uh, men are head of households and they will go into those fields, which is fine. They may have a stay at home wife taking the children. As a woman, if we want to go in those fields, we have to worry about our children, our husband, our household, you know? So we tend to kind of lean more towards um, a field that will allow us to have a work-life balance. And that's why I chose medicine, family medicine, rather, um, because I wanted a life, you know, it's like nine to five, you know, I don't want to be getting up in the morning, being on call to deliver a baby or have to go into surgery at 6 a.m. I'm not a morning person, so that's not ideal for me. <laughs> so I want to do what's best for me. Now, as far as the pay, I I never really asked my male counterparts how much they made versus what I made. I just accepted the cost, you know, what the um, salary they offered me. But I know it's a difference in where you live. Um, in Chicago, I, I've made way less <laughs> than I make down here in Peoria because there are the need for family medicine providers is more and greater down here in Peoria. So of course I got a you know significantly increase in my pay when I moved down here. So, uh, but yeah, I never did ask. Oh, you know, is this comparable to you know the other guy that's working there now? I, I never really asked. So I don't know if I should. <laughs> But I never asked. Won't he do it? Doctor, I need whatever angel is working for you. I need you to <laughs> let me borrow because I still be asking. I'll be like, like God, uh Attorney Jones, I'm going to you. Have you ever questioned uh any time your pay and wondered if I was male, if I was or white male, I'd be making more at any time? Well, no, because most of the firms that I worked for was private practice. So I was always the only attorney working there, aside from my boss. So I never questioned it or anything, but I did research it. And I did see that um, women usually are paid like $24,000 a year less than male attorneys. So I know that there is still a problem with that in um in my field but mm -hmm. thankfully i don't have to worry about it i feel like i'm getting paid as much as i'm worth right now so um yeah i, I guess i'm blessed yeah <laughs> i'm gonna give both of you guys angels <laughs> and agree attorney mm -hmm. hardwick have you ever questioned your pay have you ever looked at your pay and just said i wonder um i make it a point to question my pay in interviews so when you tell me that you're going to give me a, a set amount, I always say, you know, I feel like that's inappropriate because I bring so much, even if it's the amount that I had in my head going into the interview. Um, so absolutely. I, I'll look at something and I, I automatically ask for 10 grand more because I know if I look another way that you, you would, it would be different. You would have a different set of, respect for me. Um, I started out, I've, I've worked for two law firms and I've resigned from both of them because it just, it, it wasn't worth, it wasn't worth my time. It was better for me to do supplement myself and do cases for my myself and supplement it with other things. So absolutely. I make it a question to, to look at what you're offering me and to let you know, you know, I, I completely disagree with, 
it, if you now if you want me to work 40 hours a week Monday through Friday sure but that's not what we're going to be doing because I'm a lawyer and they will work you to death they will work you 70 80 hours a week and not get on a salary so I, I always make it a point to question it even even if I had a certain number in my head if that was the number that you chose in my head it's wrong so I I, I always I've always questioned it and I probably always will. So yeah, absolutely. Awesome. awesome. All right. Last question. I know I asked you guys to be on here for 30 minutes and we've gone over. I want to throw it off and I'll start with you, Dominique, and then I'll go to Dr. Fuller and then attorney Jones. How do we improve uh, gender equality? Uh, I guess we'll, so it won't be loaded. Uh, we'll specifically address it to the workforce and whatever field. How do we improve that? Where do we start? Honestly, we have to start at at with with our children. We have to tell them that hey, do you know that you you're really good at speaking? Don't don't do you know that you could be a lawyer? We have to start saying, "Hey, hey little girl, science is science is fun. Don't you think science is fun?" Makes sense. See, it's a little breaking up. Let's go to Dr. Chi. Dr. Chi, how do we, how do we address gender equality uh, in just medicine or as in life as a whole? How do we, where do we start? I, I agree with Dominique. I, it starts in the home. You know, we tend to do gender roles anyway when we raise our children. Um, however, we should let them know, just like I was telling my son, you'd be a great lawyer. I'll tell my daughter the same thing. And, you know, whatever field, it doesn't matter, you know, because we typically think, oh, doctors are male, nurses are female, you know, and I, when I come out of the room, they're like, oh, I thought you were a man. Like my first name was Tawanda, but they just told me your name was Dr. Harris. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, so it's going to take more of us, seeing more of us women, black women in the field. Number one, and then making sure we stand up for ourselves and say, no, I'm not a nurse. <laughs> you know, I'm the doctor. <laughs> I'm your doctor. Um, but it's something we have to teach our children at home and and just, you know, try to encourage, you know, women to go into these fields and not be afraid. Yeah, it might be more male-dominated in law, in law um, but you as a woman can still do it in, you know, whatever field. It doesn't matter. Engineering is mostly male-dominated. Um, so, yeah, we just shouldn't limit our, women, our girls, our daughters. We should not limit them. Makes sense. Attorney Jones, where do we start? How do we improve gender equality? Well, I think it would be um, best if more companies, more law firms, more hospitals, more everything place more women in leadership roles. Not Don't just hire them by the bare minimum. Like Consider them for higher positions and make it a priority to place more women in those higher positions. So I think by doing that, we can promote gender equality a lot faster. Makes sense. All right, where can they connect with you? Attorney Jones, what are you doing? Where can they follow you? Where can they connect with you if they want to get in contact? What are you working on? Okay, so if you want to learn more about the Creators Law Firm, which is an intellectual property law firm and business law firm, you can find us at thecreatorslawfirm.com. If you want to connect with me, I am on Instagram mostly, and that's at Bonnie Honey. That's V-O-N-N-I-E-H-U-N-N-I-E. And you can see all my travels and my photography. Awesome. Dr. Fuller, where can they connect with you? What are you working on? Well, you know, um, not doing anything at this moment, but um, just working at Heartland Health Services. Um, I'm on Facebook, Tawanda Harris, 
Dash Fuller. Uh, I just want to say this is the type of clinic that I had. I work at, uh, which is a federally qualified health center, and it's for patients that may not have insurance. Very important for you to find one in your local town, your local city. If not, you can always, you know, reach out to me, message me on Facebook, and I can definitely direct you, you know, especially for those places in Chicago, here in Peoria. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, that's how you can best, you know, reach me. It's the messenger on Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. Attorney Hardwick, where can they connect with you at? Well, they can email me at abogadadominique1 at gmail.com or abogada means attorney, lawyer. And they can connect with me on Facebook, just my name, Dominique Hardwick. Like I said, I, I primarily do immigration law, bonds, specifically bonds. I get people out of jail all the time. That's what I do. So if, if that's what they're interested in, those kind of services, just connect with me on Facebook or send an email to my email address, abogadadominique1 at gmail.com. And we can work that out. If you need mentoring services, I'll refer you to Levine. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I'm also interested in that as well. I mentor young girls and things like that. So just questions, you can message me in my inbox. All right, guys, reach out to them. These are three leaders uh, right here uh, in the United States. There's amazing women that are doing their thing. If you are in jail and you need somebody to bond you out, <laughs> Attorney Hardaway has you. But look, it's been a great episode. I appreciate you guys. Till next time. Thanks. Okay. Thank you.